What's good, y'all? Y'all tuning in to the Swish Beats Podcast, third edition, Bay Area College Hoops coming your way. This time, we looking at the Pac-12. We all know Cal, Stanford, East Bay, Berkeley, Peninsula, Palo Alto. Right? Would you say Palo Alto, South Bay, or Peninsula? I guess it doesn't quite get South Bay enough. Yeah. South Bay will roll with, well, if you're on the right side of the South Bay. Yeah. Where do you put Hayward? Hayward? East Bay. East Bay. Okay. Fremont. East Bay. Okay. So, I mean, that San Jose is basically the South Bay. Oh, yeah, because Fremont is technically it's like... It's kind of... Yeah, it's there. Yeah. It's right next to yeah. I mean, Milpitas, but... Milpitas. Yeah, Milpitas I would call the South Bay. For sure, for sure. Yeah. But Fremont's yeah. on the edge. Fremont, yeah, that's like that's tricky. I get, I feel like, ooh, you know, it's not as simple as East Bay and Cal and Peninsula Stanford. You got yeah. people moving across both sides to attend either school or have allegiances to either school. Yeah. Well, what do the North Bay people do? Do they go to school? Sonoma, Sonoma State. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about Sonoma State. Not including them. I'm sorry. Oh, let's go ahead and get into it. Who are you starting with anyway? Who are we going to go first, Stanford or Cal? Let's go start with Cal. Okay. okay. Let's go start with Cal. So, Cal right now, they are 5-4. and four. They lost They lost two straight to Santa Clara and then San Francisco, both on the road. Won their previous game versus UC Davis. They've had some pretty difficult games this year, facing number 22, Texas. Facing a number one Duke team back in late November in Madison Square Garden under yeah. the big lights at the yeah. Mecca. Yeah, they lost 87 to 52. Well, Duke's kind of good. Cal is trying to find their way. Yeah, Duke's kind of good. Just a little bit. They just got this dude named uh, Shashevsky. Krzyzewski? Shashevsky. <laughs> I know, I'm just playing. They don't have Coach any players. K. They just have Shashevsky. Shashevsky, yeah. There's nobody who actually goes to just how, Just like how the Spurs have. Popovich, just Popovich. There was any other names? Well, Becky Hammond. Okay, I'll give you that one. All right, but that's it. You kind of put an asterisk next to the Patriots with Belichick and Brady. What about the Cavaliers? They're nothing without LeBron. Every time he disappears, they go back to being the irrelevant. The fact that you mentioned that and he's not even with them right now, like, dog. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't get any uh, Cleveland fans listening to this that still can't get over him leaving twice gilbert can't he's listening to our podcast the owner of of the Cavs. sorry dude yeah let it go man at the end of the day you can only worry about one thing and that's what you do (laughs) stay in your lane wise words i really just told an nba owner (laughs) to stay in his lane yo i hope he hears this now coming to you real from the swish beats pod you know what it is we out nah just playing (laughs) we should start with cal though (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, from uh, what you saw, we saw them live at the Hilltop face off against USF. What were some good things you saw from them? That they were competitive, and even though the score was not favorable to them at the very end, they were never totally out of the game against USF. USF beating them 76-64. to It was 32-34 at halftime. Cal Golden Bears were just down by two. And so they've got some nice players out there. Kareem South. Had himself one heck of a game. Grad transfer, put up 20 points, 
and they're going to rely on somebody like him to help carry along this new wave of Golden Bears as, um, you know, they, they've had some trouble in their seasons the past couple of years, and, and now they're trying to take the right steps forward in a really competitive and strong conference in the Pac-12. Lars Thiemann wasn't too bad either. He wasn't too good. But considering what his season looks like, it was pretty good. Yeah, got on the court, played. <laughs> he got on the court, and he ran. That's all we're asking. Let's show a little hustle. <laughs> but he's just a freshman, you know, seven-footer, getting his feet wet against some good competition. That's that's what you're asking for. Yo, can you imagine the coach? Get out there, run. Next season, we'll give you the ball. <laughs> right? Hey, you We'll run. let you, we'll pass it to you. Run now so you don't have to run later. And then, of course, Bay Area native. Paris Austin, he had four points, not fantastic, but three steals, six rebounds, a couple of assists, made his, his shots at the charity stripe. That's nice to see. Yeah, he didn't have the best game, but definitely showed good activity. And then they had their leading scorer, Matt Bradley, who I believe was second. In points? Second in points. Yeah. And what's interesting with him is he comes off the bench. Yeah, weird. But, he's, you know, sometimes you need your scoring very spread out. And Bradley's able to provide that punch as he came through with 11 points, three rebounds. Though he had a really nice first half, Bradley was kind of contained in the second half against USF. So he's making his way through. And then they've got, you know, some projects they're bringing along out of Australia. Kune Kune. Kwani Kwani. Oh, him too. Kwani Kwani. Kwani Kwani. Andre Kelly out of Stockton. There's Juwan Harris Dyson. Joel Brown. The... All of them, all of them really, though, showed good activity in terms of competing. Absolutely right. I mean, when you look at their stats, Kelly has about five rebounds a game. Joel Brown and, and Juwan Harris-Dyson are averaging about two a game. So even though they're not playing heavy minutes, they get out there, they get on the boards, crash them, and help make positive plays. Grant Antijevic starting at power forward, the one I said Josh Coonan was guarding. Yes. Yeah. He's probably one of their best perimeter shooters. So he's shooting it at like a 56% clip give or take. He's only making about a three a game, but that's still enough to help stretch a defense. They also have Jules Irving. Can you guess who his father is? Jules Irving. Jules Irving. I don't know. Rock Hudson? Close. 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 Right city. Right city. Close. Yeah. How come he's not a, He's not going to San Jose State so he can be a Spartan? Oh, that's Irving Magic Johnson. Well, I'm going to walk out of this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Get out of here. So, as I finish this episode by myself, the Cal Golden Bears, like I said, they're 5-4. and four. Right now, their scoring margin isn't the best. They're giving up 71 points per game. Oh, look who's back. Lewis, <laughs> that was a long walk that you took. Well, I thought about it, and you're telling me he's the son of Dr. J? <laughs> yeah, man. That's crazy. That's crazy. I wonder what other schools recruited him. That's a good question. I mean, uh, he averaged 16 points in 22 appearances in high school, averaging almost five rebounds a game. And he's doing that in the South, in, in, in Georgia, I think. So how he got out to Cal, I'm not sure, but that's really cool. The fact that you might have Dr. J show up once in a while just to chop shop, I think you take that. So right now for Cal, uh, some stats that they're excelling at on the court. Their three-point percentage, above average at 39%, shooting 46% from the field, 
which is good. And they're holding their opponents to just 40% from the field, but they're giving up a lot more opportunities per game. And, you know, speaking of opportunities, it's there's also turnovers that are losing the turnover battle, roughly 14 to 10. So it's about just possessions. You know, they're looks like they're breaking even in the rebounding category. What's going to make up for being dead even in rebounds with the other team? Taking care of the ball, playing defense, uh, doing the little things, you know, trying to get those extra possessions. Roughly seven offensive rebounds a game. Their opponents, they're allowing them just about 11 boards, 11 offensive rebounds. So that's where the second chances, the opportunities, the number of possessions tilts in their opponent's favor. So this Cal basketball team, they, they have a lot of work to do in terms of just hustle and taking care of the ball. And they still need to get some of that talent level of theirs up so that they can compete inside of the Pac-12 conference. They're starting to take those early steps right now, but um, there's a long road ahead. And that's just unfortunately the way it is for the squad at the moment. Definitely doing, I feel, a lot better than the past couple seasons as well. So, you know, kind of kind of the same situation that San Jose State is in. You know, you get some, some continuity with your players. You, you build and you mm. develop. Absolutely. And uh, right now, they're currently led by Mark Fox. He uh, used to be at the University of Nevada, Reno, and more recently, Georgia, which is maybe how he was able to grab Dr. J's son out of Georgia. And so now he's back and he's coaching at Cal. And I'm not calling them a reclamation project, but he's going to have to totally change the way things operate uh, within the program. So certainly a good person to lead the Golden Bear Charge just needs to uh, settle down and settle in. What do you think is their ceiling? You mentioned that this entire Pac-12 conference right now, every team is above 500. Where we sit on the 10th of December, yes. Yeah. I mean, with so much heavy competition, what really is their ceiling? Can can you see the entire conference finishing above 500 when the season is over oh yeah absolutely the the whole conference is going to be above 500 when season ends but arizona's nine and one colorado's seven and one oregon state's seven and one usc eight and two oregon seven and two utah seven and two washington seven and two so they have done a wonderful job out of conference already and i imagine they'll continue to do so each of these respective programs for teams like University of California and Washington State, both who have got new coaches and are trying to build up their program, you're not going to see a whole lot of development in these first couple of years. It's going to take some time for the coaches to adjust the program to their will if they're even able to do that. So Cal fans, they just got to strap in. It's going to be a little bit of a bumpy ride, but hopefully they'll get to where they want to go in a season or two. As we look at this, we see Stanford. They're eight and one right now. Yes. Let's go ahead and look at their latest games. They won their last game versus UNC Wilmington. They got defeated. They were defeated by Butler back on November twenty sixth. I think I was watching that game. They lost by one, and Butler being Big East, and then they have a win versus Oklahoma. Of course, those came at the quote Hall of Fame Classic unquote in Kansas City. Yep. So that's yep. a little closer for the folks in at Butler to get to KC than it is for Stanford. Yeah. Would you call them quality wins? 
so far, yeah, win over Oklahoma, which has been uh, uh, you know a team with Trey Young made the dance. People wanted to see them. Other than that particular win, though, they haven't been very much tested. They have seven home wins out of their eight total wins. This is something we're seeing a lot of from the California schools is that they're playing many games at home and not doing too many on the road. Incidentally, their next game is at San Jose State before they play San Francisco and then participate in the Al Adels Classic in San Francisco before starting league play. And in league play, their first three games are all at home. So we, we should expect Stanford to continue on the path that they're on as, as they've just been a really good team at Maples. Not to mention they do have one big game versus Kansas. Kansas right now ranked number two in the nation. Uh, that one's going to be at Maples as well on December 29th. Damn, I'm not going to be out here. I would love to go see that game. Yes, sir. Guess uh, see some Yudoka. Some Azabuki. Yudo- yep, Yudoka Azabuki. I watch my Azabuki on the Warriors. Broadcast, you listen to his voice. I might have the TV muted from the other voice. I'm not saying anything more than that. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> um, but you're absolutely right. This game against uh, the Jayhawks is going to be huge. I honestly cannot remember the last time a road opponent coming in with this kind of pedigree and this high of a ranking into into uh, Palo Alto in a long time. So all eyes will be on the peninsula on December 29th, at least basketball fans. What do you think their ceiling is right now in the Pac-12? They're 8-1, they're standing second right now in the conference, although not ranked. You know, you see Colorado 7-1, ranked 24th. Oregon 7-2, and two, way below in the standings, ranked 10th in the nation. Where do they kind of fall in terms of, you know, do they belong with the nationally ranked teams in the conference, or are they more of a mid-tier team? They're more of a mid-tier team. They haven't been able to go anywhere and play anyone of consequence yet, though that opportunity definitely presents itself when they host Kansas. Uh, Otherwise, their biggest win so far is is a W over Oklahoma, and possibly their best competition has been Butler, who they did lose to by a single point. So they're looking to be about middle of the pack inside of the Pac-12, maybe in the lower part of the middle of the pack of the Pac-12 because the University of Washington was just ranked and Utah is putting together a good squad this year and USC actually looks decent for a change and you can never count out UCLA or Arizona State. There's a lot of good basketball being played within the Pac-12 conference and I'm not sure that Stanford is up to the snuff of the of the ranked teams or the nearly ranked teams. They may be more floating to the middle of the pack with the Utahs and the Oregon States, but they have their opportunity as nobody's played any conference games yet, so they can certainly run their way through the conference if everything breaks correctly. They currently have three double-figure scorers right now in Oscar Da Silva, Tyrell Terry, and Spencer Jones. Uh, what can you make out of the type of seasons that these three players are having? Well, we had spoke uh, before we came on about De Silva and Terry, how they're playing really well for their respective classes, within their respective classes, De Silva a junior, 
Terry, a freshman who's really come on strong. And that's been, I would say, a revelation as he's leading, tied for leading the team with 19 steals. He's dished out 29 assists, which is second on the team. He's averaging almost five rebounds a game, shooting nearly, uh, shooting nearly 49% from the field. He's making 41% from behind the arc, 88% from, uh, from free throws, and almost 16 points a game. That's incredible for a freshman. So the fact that they are able to build off of him and the continued excellent play from Oscar De Silva, I think should only further spark the Cardinal. Jones, I'm not so familiar with. He's another freshman who's coming in here and, and playing very, very well. And so with the fact that Stanford's playing so well and they're so young, only bodes well for future seasons. Speaking of, you know, Tyrell Terry and Spencer Jones both being freshmen on this team, it's kind of kind of gives them this it gives them a foundation to continue to grow for their sophomore years, their junior years. Did you talk about Oscar De Silva? Uh, in passing, I'm only mentioned he's a junior, which means he'll be able to give another year to the program. He's he's playing nicely as well. He's making 63% of his shots. Yeah, that's good. I mean, 55 of 88 from the field, only attempted 12 12 of those are three-pointers. So, being the 6-9 forward of the team, he's kind of finding his spots in the post. Oh yeah, he's definitely down low as opposed to Spencer Jones, the um aforementioned freshman but who's also somewhat big himself. He's a forward at 6-7, but he can hit it from behind the arc. He's shooting 55% from three. So when you take De Silva down low and Jones up top with the playmaking from Tyrell Terry, they got something cooking down on the farm. They got something cooking. Yeah, not to mention... uh... Not to mention junior guard Dejan Davis, who's leading the team in assists per game, kind of orchestrating this offense. You know, it's not just Tyrell Terry. Tyrell Terry, he has enough of the scoring load on the offensive end. But as far as managing the offense and directing traffic, Dejan Davis is also a big part of that. And for Spencer Jones, his overall field goals attempted 64. So he's 32 of 64. That's 500. That's nice. Yeah. That also takes into account his three-pointers attempted. How many? 29 of 53. So the majority of his shots, if not damn near all of his shots, have been from behind the arc. So he's super effective at spacing the floor. You mentioned what Oscar De Silva does down low and what Tyrell Terry does as a secondary scorer slash playmaker. And Dejon Davis takes about or makes about one three a game. And he's shooting that at about 53%. So he's also a threat to score himself from beyond the arc while he's still a threat to find his teammates at the same time and, and let them succeed points-wise as well. So they've got something cooking with their top four, and it's just will their bench be able to carry the load when those gentlemen take a breather? At this point, the jury is still out. Though players like James Keefe and Isaac White are starting to make some noise. Bryce Wills as well. But Keefe, another big guy, 6'9", 220 from Los Angeles. And he's a big guy playing down low, shooting a high percentage. Yeah, they you know, they got guys like you mentioned, Keefe, Isaac White, Lucas Kisunis, all averaging around 11 minutes per game, 11 spot minutes. How well are they going to fill those roles while the main guys are sitting on the bench? Bryce Willis, a sophomore guard, he is also going to be in there not having the season like 
Davis or Tyrell Terry, but kind of in there to play some defense, stop the opposing team's best guard whenever he's in the game, and and kind of just create a tempo, averaging around the same minutes. He's not going to be asked to take on the scoring load, but do the little things on the perimeter. And when we bring him up as a guard, he's, he has four and a half rebounds a game, so he's sticking his nose in where it belongs. He's leading the team's in personal fouls, so like you said, he's, he's getting in front of some of the really good players and trying to play as best a defense as he can. As we look at the Pac-12 now, Arizona, Colorado, Oregon, all top 25 ranked. Is that a place where those programs stay by the end of the season in the top 25? I could see Colorado floating in and out with some of the other teams within the conference. Maybe UCLA can go on a run, USC playing nice basketball right now. Washington was just ranked. So there there's opportunities for other teams to jump into the top 25. Stanford, I mean, I guess they're 8-1 and one if they keep winning. Even if they beat the Jayhawks, I guess they have to be ranked. So th- there's opportunities, but I think you can certainly say without too much of a doubt that Arizona and Oregon are the standard bearer for the conference right now. And um, everyone else is playing catch up. How far they are behind... That's to be determined. But right now, the Wildcats and the Ducks are, are at the top. Even though every other team in the conference is playing well enough, we just don't know how well they are compared to those two. There's been a lot of talk in past seasons about the Pac-12 has gone soft. And could this be the year that they disprove that theory? That, you know, seeing where they are now in the standings for each of them, do they have they have three teams in the top twenty five? Can they have four to six teams once all said in the top twenty five at some point during conference play? I could see four teams, five teams up in there. It just depends on those voters and all those other people. I mean, they're really Oregon was just a Chris Boucher injury away from winning the national championship, as I think they lost. Who'd they lose to in the end three years ago? I could just guess Villanova any time within the past three years. It's not a it's bad It's probably guess. accurate. <laughs> um, so, so the point being is that I don't think necessarily that the conference is soft as they've gone on to prove that they're, they're pretty good overall. I think that the voters just aren't looking in the right places. I think you could take the measure from the coaches' poll. They should, they should have the best pulse of what they think is a good conference and what they think are good programs. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure right now it's showing their AP rankings, but I'd be inclined to go with what the coaches think. And if the coaches think they're soft, then they might be. But from what I've seen, they're still a really good conference, and you don't want to match up with any of them if you can avoid it. We may be going way ahead of ourselves to talking about even any Pac-12 tournament championship, but if you could see any of these teams, any of these teams that aren't ranked, if Arizona doesn't make it, if Oregon doesn't make it, if Colorado doesn't make it to the Pac-12 championship, what do you make of all the other teams in the conference? Who has a legit shot? I mean, I know it's always tough to tell, but if you were to pick any of the non-ranked teams as of now, who would you have facing off in the Pac-12 tournament or okay. Pac-12 championship? If I had to, to pick non-ranked teams, and I'm going to personally remove Washington because they were recently ranked and the coaches have them at 25, I would take Oregon State and Arizona State. Those are two teams that maybe are flying a little bit under the radar. 
They've had some down years a little bit in the past and um, should be building their, themselves up not, not only to be really good teams within the conference, but good teams to make it through their conference tournament and play in that aforementioned championship. So Sun Devils and Beavers. I was at last year's Stanford-Cal matchup at Maples Pavilion, Ooh. in which Cal took that matchup. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, which was, it was funny cause, uh, I wasn't wearing any Stanford gear or Cal gear as you see me wearing this Cal hat right now. That's all right. But, uh, yeah, I remember it was so funny. I think I told, uh, Anthony Silvera this story, but I was rooting for both teams. I was, we, me and Ed, we were sitting in the front row on along the sideline and I was just cheering for both teams. Respectful. Uh, yeah. And some Stanford fan was looking at me so confused, like, hmm. what's going on? What's your deal, man? Like, <laughs> who are you rooting for? <laughs> I'm rooting for basketball. Jeez, get yes. off my back, guy. Yeah, and, and that's the main thing. I like going to, like, basketball games to where I'm kind of a neutral party. Then you can enjoy it. Because it's like, yeah. <laughs> the other ones can't enjoy it. They're just looking at me like, who are you? What <laughs> This guy. Er. I am the bridge to the Bay Area. That's right. <laughs> Better respect. Yo, we're going to end it out here. This has been the Pac-12, me and Lewis Geist, on the Swish Beats Media Network, doing this podcast thing you call here. We did the WCC, we did the Mountain West, and we did the Pac-12. Now, are we going to do the Big West, Whack, Big Sky? Pac-West? Pac-West. D2? That's something that y'all might have to request. All right, we're not doing it at our own will. I'm going to just tell you that <laughs> if you guys are fans of those conferences, big shout out to you. I got no clue what's going on in those conferences. But at the end of the day, if it's basketball and you enjoy it, just like me, and I got none but respect for you. So the Swish Beats Media Network, we support all things basketball all the time. Oh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Continue to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and check out the SoundCloud page where I upload all unique of the content. Photos, the yeah. unique photos. Oh yeah, the uh, the thumbnail album artworks. You can find those on SoundCloud, and they upload also to Spotify. So those are cool. And then follow on Twitter and Instagram at Swish Beats Media. That's all I got for you guys this week. So keep tuning in. I got a couple more guest appearances that I'm really excited to do. So be on the lookout for that. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Continue to subscribe. Much love. Demo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Signing off. <laughs> oh, who was my name? I just wanted to thank you.